If a prophet or someone else who has dreams arises among you and proclaims a sign or a wonder to you, and that sign or wonder he's promised you comes about, but then he says, let's follow other gods, which you've not known, and let us worship them, do not listen to that prophet's words or to that dreamer. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. You must follow the Lord your God and fear him. You must keep his commands and listen to his voice. You must worship him and remain faithful to him. And now to uh, 1 John, chapter 4, page 1121. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist. You've heard that he is coming and he's already in the world now. You are from God, little children. And you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world. Therefore what they say is from the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Peter. I love his voice, don't you? I should have given a longer Old Testament reading. He could have read the whole of Deuteronomy. could have stayed here all night listening to it. It's great. Uh, why don't we um, pray before we get stuck into this rather bizarre passage in the middle of 1 John. Let's pray. Our Father, we do praise you for your word. We praise you that you've given it to us. That you haven't left us in the dark that you want to speak to us, that you want to change us, that you want to make us more like Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us ears to hear your voice and hearts to obey it. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it's a, a painful thing to get God wrong, isn't it? A painful thing to get God wrong. Let me read you uh, what one woman wrote, uh, a Christian blogger, what she wrote. She said, uh, That's your husband. I thought God told me. I pressed my ear in closer. God, are you sure? I swear I heard a yes, my heart squeezing and preparing for the unknown future that lay ahead. It was an unknown future with one name attached. That's him, God told me. You're going to marry that man. She goes on to say, we can hear from the Lord if we tune in and listen closely, pressing our ear close to his chest listening for his heartbeat and for the answer. I spent a year pressing in, asking again and again. But then the end of the year came, and I realized I was wrong. It's painful to get God wrong, isn't it? To get your relationship with God wrong. In the case of this woman, it wasn't the God that she believed in that there was the problem, but it was the fake God that she'd been sold the woman goes on to say how she'd been taught this 
fake way of God speaking from the church that she used to go to. So she was expecting an experience of God that God never promised himself. And so she was left gutted, she was left frustrated and felt unloved by God. She felt like the, the odd one out because she was sold a fake God from false teachers. I wonder whether you've ever felt like that, that you've, uh, you've felt that God has, has left you out somehow, that he hasn't given you that special person or he hasn't given you that life that everyone else around you seems to be enjoying, you know, the car, the job, the house. Or you've been stuck in that sin, and it just keeps biting you, pestering you, hounding you, hurting you. It won't let you go, and you think that God has done nothing about it. God, why have you left me like this? Well, our passage this evening warns us That just maybe, just maybe, that we may have been sold a fake God. And that our relationship with God has been shaped just perhaps in a a small way or uh, some way by the people in verse 1. John writes, false prophets who have gone out into the world. Maybe we've fallen victim to the spirit of deception that he talks about there in verse 6. And if we haven't been deceived, John says there is a very real threat to each and every one of us. See, we live in a city that is the Christian equivalent to Paddy's Market, where there is no shortage of fake gods for sale. Where people sell a fake relationship with God, a fake Jesus to follow, and the amazing fake life to go with it. Now, I know you're saying... How dare you, Andy? Do you not know that I'm a Sydney Anglican? I went to Christ Church St. Ives Youth Group. I go to church by the bridge. There are no heretics there. I'm not saying that every teacher we've ever heard is a heretic. And I'm not saying that we should stone every Bible teacher that gets it wrong because we do time in, time out. I am saying, though, that we are susceptible and we love a bit of Paddy's Market, don't we? I was there the other day. You can buy a pair of Beats headphones for $25. There are over 100 on the internet. You can buy a North Face Fleets for $35. They're really expensive if you buy the genuine thing. See, we love a good God fake, a fake Jesus. The genie in the lamp Jesus who deals with every wish. The Jesus who stops us from getting lonely and deals with every anxiety and fear without mentioning our real and desperate and deepest needs to have our sin dealt with and to be in a right relationship with our Creator God. John says, Be paranoid. Be paranoid. And we should be paranoid because we live in a city where preachers and churches around this city offer an experience of God that the Bible does not offer, where our friends will offer us teachings that the Bible doesn't offer. John says, be paranoid. Don't believe every spirit. Because if you do, it might just rob you of a genuine relationship with God. It might just rob you of your love 
for God as you feel like you're the, lo- the, 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 the one who is left out might rob you of your love for God's people. That's why John is writing, so that we would have true fellowship with God. And that love that we have for God, shown in Jesus on the cross, would shape our love for each other. And John says false teachers will put that in jeopardy if we listen to him. He's writing so that we would enjoy a genuine relationship with God because of the blood of Jesus so that we would flourish because of the blood of Jesus and our love for him. That we would flourish in our love for each other. And there is much at stake if we get taken in by false prophets. I've got three ingredients tonight so that we would flourish in our love for Jesus and our love for each other. Three ingredients from the text, I pray. Firstly, trust no one, test everyone. Trust no one, test everyone. Verse 1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. John's command is quite clear, isn't it? It's very clear and his reasons are very clear. John is saying that we will be bombarded by a load of different spirits. But they're not your kind of Scooby-Doo spirits, the woo kind of spirits. John is talking about real people. He's talking about real people. These are spirits who are at work in false prophets. They'll look like preachers. They'll work in churches. They'll look like the people you podcast on your way into work in the mornings. They'll look like the YouTube clip that your friend says, you've just got to watch this guy. He's amazing. He really sorted my life out. They'll sound like the people, uh, they'll sound like your friends when your friend says, I've been praying for you and I really feel like God is telling me this for you. That's what they'll sound like. They'll be nice. They'll be smart. They'll be funny. They'll be well-dressed. They'll be our friends. And they will offer a very attractive experience of God. There's this YouTube preacher that I came uh, across over the last couple of weeks as I've been searching for examples of this kind of thing. And even the secular press accused this guy of preaching a prosperity gospel, the kind of news where uh, if you just trust God hard enough, he'll give you health, wealth, and happiness. Uh, This guy is a nice bloke. He's got a nice suit. He's got a, a nice wife. He, he's a really nice bloke. He's, he looks honest. He looks like uh, the person ne- who would live next door to you if you lived in Southern America. But he sells a fake Jesus. He says, you do your part and God will do his part. If you will simply obey his commands, he will change things in your favor. He offers this self-help Jesus, rub the lamp and the genie Jesus will appear and he'll make your life all right. I'm not saying that we'll get taken in by someone so blatant. I'm sure we won't. My prayer is that we won't. But the Jesus that he sells is very attractive. See, we might not, not get taken in by him. The shiny suit gives it away. The white teeth give it away. But we may get taken in by a more reputable supplier, like one of our friends. 
or a church with a good reputation. John says, don't believe every spirit. Test every teaching and every preacher. Notice that he's not writing to church leaders. It's not my job to do the testing for you. He's writing to every member of this church. He says, beloved children, test every spirit. Do not believe every spirit. Critically examine them. That's what the word for test means. Work out whether they are genuine or fake. Look for the hologram. Look to see if they are peddling a genuine or a fake Jesus. Now, I know it's not fashionable in our circles to to point out heretics. Just try telling your friend uh, that the YouTube preacher that they love to listen to is a heretic. They'll hit the roof and they probably won't be your friend. It's not fashionable. But we can't be like that, John says. We need to have this godly suspicion of people who teach us Jesus. We should have this godly suspicion. We should test them, he says. We shouldn't be surprised that John says this. Um, Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravaging wolves. That's one heck of a fancy dress costume, isn't it? These preachers come... And they look cuddly, and they sound warm, and they, they offer comfort. But they are wolves ready to devour the flock. These, uh, these guys look like sheep, but they'll bite your head off rather than give you a pair of Ugg boots. 1 Peter 2, 1 says, they will secretly bring in destructive heresies. They will destroy churches. Uh, Paul in Acts 20, when he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, uh, adds, uh, takes it just one little step further. He says, I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Do you see where these wolves will come in? From amongst us. They will be your friends. They will be the teachers that you trust. And they will come from within. Jesus says it. Paul says it. Peter says it. John says it, we are to watch out for these wolves. They will appear genuine, they will sound Christian, and they will offer much. They will offer an an attractive experience of God. But they will attack you, and they'll bite you, and they'll bring you down, and they'll rob you of your love for Jesus and love for his people, and they'll rob you of of the life that you have in Jesus. That's what 1 John is all about that we enjoy life in Jesus and fellowship with our Creator. We used to, at my, uh, at my old church, we used to have this big tree in the grounds where we'd um, sit and have morning tea. And the bloke next door to the church built a swimming pool. And he didn't like the leaves uh, going into his new swimming pool. So he came around and said, oh, would you mind cutting the tree down? And we said, no, we wouldn't want to cut the tree down because that's where we have our morning tea and it's been there a hundred years and your swimming pool's been there for five days. So, sorry, we won't cut our, tree, cut our tree down. So do you know what he did? He jumped over the fence one night, allegedly, allegedly, all right, I don't want to get into, he jumped over the fence and he drilled holes into the base, into the base of the tree and he tipped poison, uh, uh, weed killer poison down these holes that he drilled Apparently, that is a good way to chop down a tree if you want to kill a tree. And 
the, uh, the tree didn't die overnight. It just gradually withered over time. The leaves started to wither, and then the tree just started to look ugly. And it, didn't, it started not to offer us any shade for our, our morning tea. See, that's what the false prophets do. As they sell you a different Jesus, they pour poison into the roots of churches. Oh, the uh, church won't die overnight. Christians won't die overnight. But the poison goes in with the fake Jesus, and over time, it will produce ugly Christians. Ugly Christians whose happiness and intimacy with God is no more. Ugly Christians who are sad, who are frustrated, and feel estranged from God when you should feel intimate with God. They'll rob you of your love for Jesus, and they'll rob you of your love for his people. And we shouldn't let them. We shouldn't let them. We should test every sermon that we hear. We should test every blog that we read. We should test every link that we've sent, every link that's posted up to Facebook, every YouTube clip, every Facebook post. And verse 1, determine if they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. We're to test them. Well, you say, how are we meant to test them, Andy? Uh, there's lots of things out there. How do, I, how do we test them? Well, that's our next ingredient uh, if we are to flourish. We are to test everything and take only Jesus. Verse 2, this is how you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not, is not from God. There are three ways in our passage that John says we are to test for the fake. Verse 3, we are to listen to what they say about Jesus. Verse 5, we're to watch who's listening to them. And then verse 6, we're to see who they're listening to. See, the true teacher of God will confess that Jesus has come in the flesh. That's what John says. The real, genuine flesh and blood Jesus, that's who they will proclaim. This is the message of the true Spirit of God, John says. That's how he opened his letter, isn't it? Chapter 1, verse 1. What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have touched with our hands. John wants us to know the Jesus who walked the earth, who didn't like carrots, who used to wander off on his own. John really knew the real Jesus who walked the earth. He actually heard his voice. He got told off loads of times in the Gospels. You read about John getting told off uh, for, um, for asking Jesus if he can nuke the Samaritans in Luke chapter 9. He gets told off. He's heard. He's had a roasting from Jesus. He's seen the miraculous. And he's seen the boring side of Jesus. He's touched the man as he's brushed past him in the field. And he's seen that man nailed to the cross. See, the false teachers that, uh, uh, that, that John is kind of writing against who are infecting this, these churches in Asia Minor, they were actually saying that Jesus couldn't possibly, possibly be human. That God couldn't come in a human body. 
and that these special teachers somehow gave Christians special access to God because Jesus was this somehow spirit being that tapped into spirituality with God. And if you just followed them, then you could have this true experience with God. John says the true message from God confesses that Jesus talked and walked and ate and drank with his mates that God became man. That's the real, authentic Jesus. And that is the key to the real, authentic relationship with God. See, if Jesus wasn't man, then there is a lot at stake. The Puritan Thomas Watson said this, Christ took our flesh upon him that he might take our sins upon him. You see, if, if you deny that Jesus was human then he cannot be our representative. If Christ did not come in the flesh, he cannot deal with our biggest problem, which is our sin that blocks our relationship with God. He cannot provide the solution that makes enemies of God, friends with God. He cannot take the judgment of God upon himself. He cannot stand in our place if he was not fully us. He cannot be our Lord and Savior if he was not like us. I wonder if you were given the job of destroying Christianity in Sydney, if the government kind of did this weird thing and said, uh, you you destroy Christianity in Sydney, how would you do it? How might you destroy Christianity? ISIS are having a pretty good go at it in northern Iraq, aren't they? Kicking Christians out of their homes killing Christians, raping Christians. Well, John says the way that you kill Christianity is not by killing the Christian, not by hacking away at the Christian, but by hacking away at the Christ in the Christian. That's what these false prophets do. They hack away at Jesus. They hack away at his humanity. They keep hacking away until they teach a Christless Christianity. My boys uh, are, are into these toys called mashups, and they're like these superheroes with detachable joints. So you can have the Hulk's strength without his complexion. You can have Iron Man's uh, flying capabilities without the danger of getting rusty. Uh, uh, you can have the strength of the good looks of Thor without the weird dress. Well, so too the false prophets mash up Jesus. They mash up Jesus and create a Jesus who is easy to swallow and easy to follow, who gives everything and demands nothing, who saves you from your misery but chops out God's judgment. The genie in the lamp, Jesus. You can see why that's attractive, isn't it? The genie in the lamp version of Jesus. John 5 says that they are of the world. Uh, Sorry, verse 5 of 1 John 4 says they are of the world, and the world flocks to them. They'll have the YouTube hits. They'll get the crowds. The guy that I was listening to on YouTube has this huge arena full of people because they offer what the world wants. 
They offer what the world wants. I saw this bizarre clip once on YouTube of a, a youth group in New York who offered the youth money and cigarettes to get them to their youth group. It was completely bonkers. That's what they wanted, and that's what they gave. I wonder whether your mashup of Jesus has gone another way. I wonder whether it's gone like this, that we're happy to sing the Apostles' Creed. We're happy to say that Jesus came in the flesh. But our Jesus that we follow is some kind of Superman Jesus with titanium flesh who cannot be hurt and cannot be cut. He looks like us, but isn't really like us. He didn't really go through what we go through. He didn't really experience the pain that we experience. He didn't really feel the temptation that we feel or the misery that we feel. I wonder whether that's your Jesus. And so you give up following Jesus because I just can't do it. He's not like me. He was super Jesus. And so we stop fighting sin and we stop living for him. And we just rub the lamp when things get tough. See, to think that Jesus didn't experience what we experience is completely false. Look at verse 6. Look at verse 6. We are from God. Anyone who knows God listens to us. Anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. You see, the false prophets, they close their Bibles and they stop listening to the true apostolic witnesses of Jesus, the people that saw the real flesh and blood Jesus. If you want a mash-up version of Jesus, you just have to close your Bible and chop out the bits you don't like. See, the false, the false teachers, they do this. They have their Bibles closed. The annoying preachers do this. They get, get in the way of the apostles' message. The preacher from God does this and lets you fall in love with the real life, flesh and blood Jesus. And you should be praying that we do that here at Church by the Bridge. We are a Bible-believing church and we want you to come face-to-face with the real flesh and blood, uh, flesh and blood version of Jesus. Why not spend tomorrow evening just... Opening account of the opening an account of the uh, of Jesus's life. Open Mark or Luke. Mark is is shorter, and you will see that Jesus felt what we feel. He was tempted as we are tempted. He hurt like we hurt. He knows what we are going through because he was human. He was like us, and to think otherwise will rob us of our love for God and our love for His people. So get testing. I love it in our small group when I, I'm trying to make a point, about, uh, a point about God or Jesus and my small group say, where is that in the text, Andy? They are mocking me because I do it to them time and time again. But I love it when they do it because they're saying, is this the Jesus of the Bible? Is this the Apostles' Jesus? Or is this your Jesus, Andy? When someone sends you a link to a YouTube preacher that you really must hear, ask, does it testify to the apostles' accounts of Jesus? When someone says, oh, I really felt God telling me this uh, uh, for you, sit down with them, open your Bible and say, does this 
Does this match the apostles' accounts of the real flesh and blood Jesus? Or have we adopted, have they adopted, are they teaching a mash-up Jesus? Because if we take a mash-up Jesus, we are in danger of losing our love for God, losing our love for our brothers and sisters, and losing the life and the victory that is in Christ. Fellowship with the King of the universe, that's what's on offer, that's what's at stake if we take a mash-up Jesus. Our third point tonight is if we are to flourish in Jesus, we are to take Jesus and take the victory. Take Jesus, take the victory. I don't have to tell you that uh, living as a Christian is tough. And the Bible does offer, uh, does, does promise suffering and persecution for the Christians. And the Antichrist that John talks about in, these passages, in, in this passage, these false teachers who sell the fake God and the fake Jesus and who will give you a kick in the shins, they look like they're prevailing in the world. They look like they're prevailing. They look like they have got the answers. And you can easily think, how can I possibly carry on as a Christian? These prophets, these false prophets, are trading off the insecurities of these early Christians. And that's what the false prophets do today. They offer direct access to God. They offer an experience of God that no one else can offer. They offer to patch your life up and to to help you say goodbye to your problems. Just have a look at the Apple podcast uh, podcast charts and see who is at, uh, at number one. Have you somehow got it wrong, you think? They are popular. They are popular, and it looks like we have got it wrong following this uh, flesh and blood Jesus sometimes. If you're feeling like that, have a look at the extraordinary hope in verse 4. If you've closed your Bibles, open them. Verse 4, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The one who is in you, the real flesh and blood Jesus is in you, and he's greater than the one who is in the world, the Antichrist, the one who opposes Jesus. The one who is in you is greater than the one who offers you the experience of God like no other. The one who is in you is greater than the one who has said to you, you're not good enough for God. Come to me and I'll make you good enough for God. The one who is in you is greater than than the one who says, you must follow me, you must come to my church and obey these rules if you want to know God properly. John says, the one who is in you is the Jesus who reigns on high, who came from the clouds and walked the earth, who has conquered death and has conquered sin and has conquered Satan. John says, verse 5, you have conquered them. You have conquered them if you would just trust Jesus. Jesus is powerful and he lives in you. The real Jesus who walked and talked and sweated and drank, who threw stars into the sky. He lives in you and he is greater. Go away and spend some time looking at the real life Jesus. Look at the person who lives in you.
Read Mark's Gospel, as I said. The Jesus who calms the most ferocious of storms, who makes the paralyzed man walk with a word. The, man who raises Jais, the Jesus who raises Jairus' daughter with a few simple words. He is powerful and he lives in you. And we need to remember that when life's dramas come at us and threaten to knock us off the path. He lives in you and he is powerful. He has conquered death and he gives his power to his people. You might be sat there thinking like, well, I know Jesus is powerful, but you feel like you've been, you've given, a, been given a Ferrari without the keys. And you know that Jesus is powerful, but why then does my life suck so much? And you want to know not whether he's powerful enough, but whether he cares. Does he care about me? Does he feel what I feel? Or has he forgotten me? The chapters around this passage, they contain some of the most profound uh, statements about God's love in the Bible. And I really wish that I could be uh, preaching next week's passage on chapter 4. And you really do have to come uh, back next week to see the implications of Jesus living in you by his spirit. Because uh, John says some profound things. But I'm just going to uh, draw us back to chapter 3 and just read a, one thing from chapter 3 and one thing from chapter 4 next week. Uh, chapter three sixteen. This is how we have come to know love. He laid down his life for us. And from next week's passage... God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. You see, Jesus is powerful and he does care. And if you think he doesn't care, you just need to look at the cross. Because there you see God sending his one and only son to die for us, to bleed for us, to restore us into a genuine relationship with God. We need to remember that when we're feeling unloved, when we're feeling like God has forgotten about us, when we feel like we've won first prize in the loser's lottery. We just need to look at the cross and see how, how loving God is and how powerful Jesus is because he conquered death. Let's keep reminding ourselves of that truth. Keep reminding each other of that truth. We need to keep reminding each other of that truth. And and, and we need to keep remembering that Jesus has loved us. But it mustn't be this ornamental ornamental love that just sits on the shelf that we look at and go, oh, doesn't Jesus love me? This love in John's gospel, if you've read in, in 1 John, is to shape our church. So when one of us is feeling lonely, we're meant to, God's love is meant to shape us so that we will fulfill that need of that person. When one of us is in material need, God's love shapes us in a way that helps us to fulfill that material need at great cost to ourselves sometimes. You see, we, uh, we look at the cross and we can see that God has dealt with our deepest needs. He has clutched us from God's judgment. He has clutched us from hell. He has clutched us from death. So that that love that he has shown us in the cross would shape our lives now. So that we would be a church who provides real, genuine, 
practical, selfless, sacrificial love for each other, for our fellow believers around the world. And that will, that's only possible when we grasp what Christ has done for us, when we know who lives in us. See, when we know that the one who is in us is greater than the one who is in the world, well, that will shape us. That will change us. Friends, we shouldn't let false teaching rob us of the real Jesus. We shouldn't let false prophets rob us of our love for God and our love for each other. Let's not be disappointed waiting on some superstitious genie Jesus. Let's get on with it, shaped by the love of Christ living in this world and relish the relationships that Christ has won for us on the cross with, um, with the maker of the universe and with each other, his precious and beloved little children. Let's pray. Our Father, we, do, um, we are sorry when we have bought a false Jesus, when we have expected things of you that you have not promised, when we have built a false God and a false idol. We are sorry. Help us to repent. Help us to come back to the real flesh and blood Jesus in the Scriptures. Help us listen to your apostles. Help our view of Jesus be shaped by the, by the gospel accounts. And Father, help us to fall in love with that Jesus. Help us to know that we have a relationship with you and that we are your precious, beloved little children. In Jesus' name, amen.